Hi guys and welcome to Time of Death. It's our first episode. I'm Dee and this is Riz. We are two nurses who are starting a podcast about true crime and healthcare. We want to give our perspective on true crime from a medical and psychiatric background. So welcome to the first episode and we're just going to jump right into it. So actually, I have the first case, so I will be telling Riz about our gentleman today. And I'm sure he's familiar to a lot of people. There was actually a Netflix series on him, so let's get into it. And just prefacing this, prefacing, prefacing, how do you say that? I think it's <laughs> okay, prefacing this. Um, it, a, a lot of times in healthcare, you see like almost these angels of death who are, it's a type of criminal offender, or in this case, a serial killer who is employed as a caregiver and intentionally harms or kills their patients. So buckle up, this is gonna be a ride. So our gentleman today is Charles Edmund Cullen, and I know you know who he is. (laughs) He was born February 22nd, 1960. He was actually a nurse. Freaky, Mm, very freaky. And they think that he murdered dozens, if not hundreds, of patients over a span of 16 years, specifically in New Jersey hospitals. A a chain of them, I think. Because I've seen the documentary on him, and I saw the movie with Jessica Chastain. Yes. So he definitely was pretty prolific. Yes, yes. And, yeah, it's, it's a crazy story. And he confessed to killing 40 people. 29 of those have been confirmed. However, psychiatrists and police speculate that it may be in the hundreds. So I would not be surprised. Yeah, very crazy. So Charles was born again in February 1960 in West Orange, New Jersey. He was, his family was like working class. His dad was a bus driver and he died when Charles was only seven months old. Oh. He was the youngest of eight kids. Mm-hmm. And his mom, Florence Cullen, she actually came over from England in World War II. And she was like what they called a war bride. So like came over during World War II and got married like away from... For that purpose? Yeah. Okay. So very interesting. But Colin described his childhood as miserable. And he shared that he had been bullied by not only his classmates, but his sister's boyfriends. And that's really like all I found on terms, like it didn't really go into too much detail about the bullying, but it was at the point where at age nine, he actually attempted suicide by drinking chemicals out of a chemistry set that he had. They said he put it in milk. And I was like, at nine years old. Deadly mixture. Yes. So super sad, but, you know, very unfortunate circumstances. I think that we see that a lot. So Colin's mom, Florence, was killed in a car accident when he was a senior. He was 17 years old, and he described that as being devastating to him. So very young, lost both of his parents. Another source that I was reading said that he went into foster care, which I thought was also very interesting because he had seven older siblings. I wonder, did you find out what happened to the other siblings? I did not know, but I just thought it was strange. So I don't know if he was like a troubled kid and maybe no one wanted to take him in, but interesting. 
So he said that this was particularly traumatic for him because the hospital did not inform him that his mother had died in like a timely fashion and that they had cremated her body with like him not being able to visualize his mom. So like, I don't know if again, it was his older siblings making these decisions or what, maybe it was the oversight with the hospital, but that's a really difficult situation for sure. That is difficult. A lot of the times we, we make time after someone's passed for, I mean, this is probably self-explanatory, but after someone's passed, we usually allow family to come in and, and have a last visit with them. So after his mom died and we talked about what happened to her body, he actually enlisted in the United States Navy, which I thought was really interesting. I know, I feel like we see this a lot with people that are struggling. They kind of gravitate towards the military, like Jeffrey Dahmer also gravitated towards the military. I don't know if it's like the structure that they, like, I don't know, but are there, maybe it was the like parental figure that they're looking out for, like that structure. So this is just me speculating, I don't know, but that's what I was thinking when I originally read it. But he served aboard the submarine, the Woodrow Wilson, and he somehow passed the psychological, psychological (laughs) examination, as well as basic training. However, during his time in the Navy, he was hazed and bullied by his crewmates as well. At least he reported that. So again, like this seems to be a common theme in his life. Yeah. So a year into his service, a very bizarre episode happened where the, I guess his like commanding officer, I don't know too much about the military, but someone who like was his direct supervisor found Cullen seated at the missile controls wearing a surgical mask, gloves, and scrubs. Just sitting there, like catatonic. And this is before any before like any entry into the nursing profession. Correct. Okay. So Cullen was disciplined for that, but he never was able to, or never did kind of explain why he had done that. Um, And the Navy like reassigned him to a lower pressure position. I think that they saw that he was like kind of starting to slip a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after he attempted suicide again and was committed in the Navy psychiatric ward several times over the past couple of years. He was medically discharged from the Navy in 1984. It says for undisclosed reasons, but with his psych history, I'm thinking that has something to do with it. It sounds like it. Yeah. So very, um, you know, very unfortunate. Uh, It sounds like this is something that he'd really, like he's really sounds like he's on the edge of like a major psychiatric break. So shortly afterwards, he enrolled in nursing school in Montclair, New Jersey. Which, I don't know, I know when we went to nursing school, there was like an extensive background. So maybe things were different in the 80s. I don't know how, I don't know. But then they also don't want to discriminate against anyone, and I get that. But what do you think about it? Well, I know know nurses who have an extensive psych history and as long as it doesn't interfere with their profession and care of their patients i i know many great nurses who do however with his background and what we know happened with him i feel like that should have probably been more of a red flag than it was yeah i agree i definitely agree especially with his episodes of catatonia well and all that yeah super bizarre um 
but so he during his time in nursing school he was actually the president of his nursing class hmm. which is cool because men in nursing that's always a great yeah. thing and he graduated in 1986 and he started on the bird unit of St. Barnabas Medical Center in New Jersey as well he met and married Adrian Baum in 1987 they had two daughters and his wife became increasingly disturbed at his unusual behavior and abuse of their family dogs. So I kind of tried to find a little bit more like what had happened with the dogs. I, I was kind of struggling to find out what exactly he did. I know that he had like some fire setting stuff going on. Okay. So, and But they didn't really elaborate on the dogs. She actually got a restraining order against him based on her fear that he was going to endanger her as well as their two girls. She claimed Colin had spiked people's drinks with lighter fluid, burned his daughter's books, and left his daughters with a babysitter for a week. So, and I know there was other stuff too, I'm sure. And of course he denied everything. Mm -hmm. So she was so, she was scared of him. And she was insisting that he was mentally ill. And again, nothing was really done. I don't think that was even granted, to be honest with you. Do you know of any diagnoses that he had? I looked it up and they were saying like antisocial personality disorder. Actually, I think I have it right here. They were saying antisocial borderline, which I thought, you know, and there was also another source said schizophrenia, paranoid type. Mm -hmm. So definitively, we're not really sure, but again, very, very unfortunate. Any of those diagnoses is hard and actually interestingly enough antisocial personality disorder is the number one personality disorder that you're that people are at risk for homicide so they're more most likely to kill someone else so that's interesting. interesting i didn't know that yeah and i probably phrased that all weird but all i know you worry about homicide with antisocial personality disorder and i'm not saying all people with antisocial personality disorder would obviously do that not true but it is a major consideration so after he left st barnabas he took a job at warren hospital in new jersey as well where he murdered three elderly women with overdoses of digoxin one of his victims was actually his final one said that a sneaky male nurse had injected her while she slept so she survived no this is before she died but she like told her family like oh yeah because they didn't die immediately Mm -hmm. But he, they, she like told her family that a sneaky male nurse had come into her room and injected her with something. So her family members and healthcare providers totally dismissed it. And obviously nothing came out of anything at that time. And I also, because I haven't, I am a psych nurse. I have some medical experience, but I had to go look up to Jackson. <laughs> So just for everyone else who was not 100% sure what that is, it is a actually the most commonly prescribed like cardioactive corticosteroid in the United States. I had no idea it was a steroid. I, I had no idea. Yeah, I knew it was something to do with the heart. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very common cardiac med, but I've never, yeah. I never knew it was a steroid. <laughs> well, I do remember from nursing school, like way back. They have like that yellow aura, like in their vision. Oh, the halo. The halo. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I thought that was. As a sign of toxicity. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. So basically, when you, when you are, have an overdose of it, it can lead to anoxic brain injury, myocardial infarction, so a heart attack, or terminal dysrhythmia. So basically, their hearts, I'm sure, went wonky, and that's how they died. And it's treat it's treatable. Like ditch toxicity is treatable. I was looking it up, and there are no long term complications of poisoning in patients when they're treated treated appropriately for the ditch toxicity. It has a very very narrow therapeutic yeah index sorry. range. A therapeutic range. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's so that's how he killed those older ladies. Also, for the angel of death, like slash angel of mercy stuff, usually they're kill like they start killing victims who they perceive as like going to die anyways, and then over time, their patients or the the people that they choose become healthier and less likely to die. What unit was he working in at this time when he killed the three older women? These three older ladies were at oh, Warren, Warren Hospital. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I think I actually jumped over his first murder by accident. So he was a newly minted nurse by the time he killed his first person who they actually, with that person, he just has a lethal overdose with the intravenous medication. Doesn't specify which med. No. And then he also killed an AIDS patient, which he gave an overdose of insulin, mm. which is really freaking scary because I've, for any person who is not a healthcare professional, insulin is considered a high-risk medication. Like, you need two nurses to sign off on it. At least that's how it is now. I don't know about then. It's potentially very dangerous if you don't have the right dose. Yeah for anyone who's receiving it, diabetics and non-diabetics. So they, he actually was injecting it into the IV bags, which is also like very, very smart yeah. because by the time you're, you can hang a bag of fluid and by the time you're shifted, it's like well until the person's shift. Mm -hmm. And the insulin syringe, the needle for the insulin syringe is very thin so, I mean, you could potentially eject various amounts of insulin mm -hmm. and really have no idea. Yep. Again, high-risk medication. And, like, we're not saying people don't take your insulin. We're, we're saying just be careful. <laughs> just be careful. So, yeah, that's that's the scoop on Barnabas. And they, they did an investigation, and they said that just at his first freaking hospital... He was responsible for dozens of patient deaths. Like, he wasted no time. Mm -hmm. And then I told you about Warren Hospital and the sneaky, sneaky male nurse. That's him in a nutshell. So, he actually got divorced from his wife, which is not surprising considering what he everything was going on and he actually wanted he said that he wanted to quit nursing in 1993 but unfortunately had no option but to work because of the court-ordered child support payments and then he broke later 
that same year broke into a co-worker's home when her and her young son were sleeping but he left without waking them up he began to stalk her and she actually filed a police report against him he pleaded guilty and like to trespassing he was on probation and then immediately afterward tried to commit suicide again so for those of you keeping count that's three suicide attempts that's a little morbid <laughs> that's so morbid <laughs> that's now we're at three mark it down tally it up <laughs> there will be a quiz at the end <laughs> Colin then took two months off work and was treated for depression in two psychiatric facilities, and then he attempted suicide twice more by the end of 1993. Up to five. Oh. That September, a 91-year-old cancer patient at Warren Hospital reported Colin, who was not her assigned nurse, like there's so many red flags here, had come into her room and injected her with a needle, and she died the next day. Her son was like, oh, yeah, like, my mom is telling me, like, this happened, and then she dies, like, clearly something is going on. And the freaking hospital gave him a polygraph, a lie detector test, and several other nurses, and he passed. He passed the polygraph test. Yes. And he continued to work there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is there, isn't there a correlation with, like, antisocial personality disorder or um, socio, sociopaths or psychopaths and passing, be, being more likely to pass a polygraph test? Have you heard that? I have not heard that, but I also have no idea. Okay. So, it makes sense to me because they literally, generally speaking, do not have, like, that remorse mm -hmm. they don't have empathy for other people also interestingly enough narcissistic personality disorder is like hallmarked by like that same kind of disregard so interesting yep okay so then after this after he left warren without any type of consequence with some haphazard investigation he began a three-year stint at the ICU of Hunterdon Medical Center in Flemington, New Jersey. He claims he did not kill anyone or harm anyone during the first two years. However, the hospital records during that time when he started there were conveniently destroyed. I wonder if that was a hospital attempt to cover it up or if it was something just random that happened. I think you think you're on to something. <laughs> so, Colin admitted murdering five patients between January to September. So, in 1996, which, again, overdose of Didge. And then he began to work in Morristown Memorial Hospital and was fired for poor performance. He was unemployed for six months afterwards and stopped making child support payments. He sought out treatment for depression at Warren Hospital emergency room and was briefly admitted to the psychiatric facility. And Warren was one of the hospitals that he killed people. And, like, we read that. And that he, he used to work there and then he returned to the psych facility. Yeah, that was literally, like, where he got the lie detector yeah. test. Like, that's crazy. That takes some balls. 
I wonder when he was admitted psychiatrically if they had any inkling. But I wonder I if they like I don't know. I feel inquired like, about that. I feel like they I don't know, just the 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 complete like of all the hospitals to go. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go to my old stomping grounds. Yep. So I don't know. Let's see. So he went to their emergency room and then he was admitted to a psychiatric facility. All right. So this guy jumped all over, and I think that's part of it too, because that's how he was able to get away with this for so long. Because the hospitals, like, they get bent out of shape about the like he got in trouble for poor performance. Like, like that was what they were focusing on, not for killing all these patients. Like that's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. That's really crazy. Um. So. He began working in 1998 at a rehabilitation center in Allentown, Pennsylvania now, where he staffed a ward of respiratory ventilated patients. He was accused of giving patients drugs at unscheduled times and was fired after entering a patient's room with syringes in his hand, which left the patient with a broken arm. He... Was the broken arm part of his... They're alleging that he, like, broke this patient's arm when he went into the room. Oh. So, I don't know what the hell happened. Seems like he's getting a little more violent. Yeah. Colin caused the patient's death at that hospital, which which was blamed on another nurse, which is so fucked up. Mm. But again, that, like, goes back. Like, he was really sneaky. Like, putting it into the bags, like... And then other nurses could use the same bag for other patients. That's fucked up. And unknowingly harm the patients that they have no intention of harming. It's super scary. And very unfortunate, obviously. Very sad. He left Liberty, and then he began at Easton Hospital, and he murdered another patient. The coroner's blood test showed lethal amounts of digoxin, but an internal investigation within the hospital was inconclusive. Evidence did not definitively point to Colin as the murderer. So he's blatantly getting away with this and i think like you like really hit it on the head like it's definitely a liability thing as well for the hospital and it's so past the point of no return at this point how do you how do you come back from having a murderer in a you know a healthcare professional role and the really can i cross on here the really messed up part (laughs) Is the fact that even with this history, even killing these people, even like the even the poor performance, he is getting jobs, and that just shows you like there was a true short like there's still a shortage of nurses, but there was a true shortage of nurses for a literal serial killer to like find work mm-hmm. and be able to like do like oh you're I'm I'm gone I'm let me find a new job like really casual. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. 1999, he took a job at the burn unit in Allentown's Lehigh Valley Hospital Cedar Crest, long-ass name, where he murdered one patient and attempted to murder another. He took a job after resigning at the cardiac care unit at St. Luke's Hospital in Pennsylvania. So now we've kind of shifted from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. So this is crossing state borders too, which is like another consideration, interestingly enough. Like once you get into like the different jurisdictions. I think that this is 
second hospital in Pennsylvania, is it not? I think it's the second or maybe the third. I'm not sure. But all I know, New Jersey and Pennsylvania are like where he's really having a strong presence. During the next three years, he murdered five patients and attempted to kill at least two more. He once again attempted suicide, and this time he did that by lighting a charcoal grill in his bathtub and hoped to succumb to carbon monoxide poisoning. So these are like very, but interestingly enough, he's attempting suicide and not being successful at that, but he's killing these patients no problem, Mm. you know? Yeah, you'd, you'd think that he would have learned something from killing these patients, so many of these patients in his digoxin insulin methodology, and then he uses something like carbon monoxide poisoning to try to attempt to take his own life. You know what I mean? This it's is just so... It's, it's bizarre, and it like makes me think that this maybe was like not true attempts, yeah. and this is more like attention-seeking. <laughs> Very weird. So... They actually, at St. Luke's, they began to get suspicious when a co-worker found the medication vials in a disposal bin. The drugs were not valuable outside of the hospital since they were not used in, like, recreational drug abuse or drug use. So the theft was really weird when they found that he had nicked these medications. They did an investigation, and they determined that Cullen had taken it. He was offered a deal by St. Luke's to resign and be given neutral recommendation or he's going to be fired. He resigned and was escorted from the building in 2002. Seven of his co-workers later alerted the Lehigh County District Attorney's Office that they had suspicions that he was killing patients. They never looked into his past and the case was dropped. Wow. Mm-hmm. So in 2002, he began to work in the critical care unit of Somerset Medical Center in New Jersey, again, back to his old stomping grounds. Somerset took notice of his wrongdoings when he accessed the rooms and records of patients that he was not assigned to, which is also a HIPAA violation at this point. That's a big no-no. Big no-no. So they computerized, like, Pixis. Like, the Pixis is how like you get the medications for the patients a lot of the time but basically i don't know if it was a pixis just this computerized drug dispensing cabinet so i'm assuming it was a pixis showed that he was requesting medications that his patients had not been prescribed his drug requests showed many orders that were immediately canceled and many requests requests within minutes of each other so dig 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 <laughs> in 2003 listen to this shit the executive director of new jersey poison information and education system warned that hospital that there were at least four suspicious overdoses and that indicated a possibility that a patient was or um, a employee was in killing patients so like this is now on like this regulatory body's radar Mm -hmm. by october of that year he killed at least five more patients and attempted to kill another one Mm -hmm. When a patient died of low blood sugar in 2003, the hospital alerted the New Jersey State Police because they didn't really have a point, like an option at this point. They had the regulatory body come to them and say, yeah, we have a high suspicion that this is happening. They, like, arms were tied. What is the expression? Hands were tied. Hands were tied. They had no choice. They had to report that. 
And that, fortunately, was his last victim. That person died of low blood sugar. And that's, like, not a fun way to go either. Mm-hmm. Like, you're cold. Wet. You go into, a, like, a coma and it's not, not fun. Mm-hmm. It's an awful way to die. State officials reprimanded the hospital for failing to report a non-fatal insulin overdose administered by Cullen in August. So, again, that goes back to the person that he had attempted to kill. was not successful. An investigation into his employment history revealed past suspicions about his involvement in patient deaths. Somerset fired him on very eerie but Halloween 2003. <laughs> <laughs> but it was for, they they fired him for lying on his job application. <laughs> like, Do you know what he lied about? I don't I don't know. Maybe like he said he was long. I didn't I don't know. I wish I knew, but I don't know. I don't remember. But the nurse Amy Logren alert oh, yes. She is the one who alerted the police after becoming alarmed about his records and the link between him and the patient deaths. So they kept him under surveillance for several weeks until they finished their investigation. Investigators assigned Loren to visit Cullen after work hours and talk to him while she wore a wire. With that evidence, they were able to get probable cause for arrest. She is brave. I don't know if I would have been able to do that. At that point, though, you have to say something. Oh, yeah. Because... But to go and, like, know that this person's killing people and oh, wear yeah. a wire? Oh, yeah. I don't no, know. No, I, I don't think I could either. I would be very nervous. Mm-hmm. But So he was arrested on December 12, 2003, after they concluded their investigation, and he was charged for one count of murder and one count of attempted murder. He, two days later admitted to the homicide to the homicide detectives Dan Baldwin and Tim Brown that he had murdered father Florian Gall and attempted to murder Jin Kyung Han. I'm probably massacring that. I'm so sorry. Both of whom were patients. He also told those detectives that he had murdered at least 40 patients in 16 years. 2004, he pled guilty to killing 13 patients and attempting to kill two others while he was at Somerset. So, the fact that he was fired and, like, for lying on his application, then he was charged with one count of murder, and he admitted, like, I think there is some kind of remorse in this guy. Some kind of remorse. You can also say maybe the suicide attempts were also, like, a remorseful action, possibly, maybe. Why do you think... He killed people in the first place. Like, he he had suicide attempt and then he killed more. Like, he had multiple and then he kept killing. I think that, like, what it came down to, I think that he wanted to be a hero. This is just me, armchair, <laughs> armchair psychologist. I think that he went into nursing for a reason. I think that he wanted to help people. And I think he also wanted the attention, like of because also when your patient's dying you're supposed to save them you know what i mean but did he try to save them or I, just let it happen i I, I know there's uh like healthcare pe- people who have killed who are healthcare workers that their intention is to bring them close to the brink of death hmm. in order to be the hero but i didn't like i didn't get that sense from him i, mean, I don't know i think that the psychology behind why he did this is very interesting you know mm-hmm. he did not want the death penalty 
And he just kept pleading guilty. Interesting now he doesn't want the death penalty. Because it's a lethal injection. You know what I mean? Like It, it just lines up more with the idea that yeah. he, was, he was doing the suicide attempts as a um, way to gain attention. That's a great point, Riss. That's a great point. But you don't want the death penalty, even though you commit, tried to commit suicides. I mean, maybe he's moved on and he's doesn't want to kill himself anymore. He's not suicidal anymore. But it just seems strange to me that when lethal injections involved he's not poor he's hesitant i mean who i mean it's 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 definitely interesting he repeatedly was like very disruptive during the court proceedings he was like screaming at the judge and like saying all this stuff he ended ended up being restrained and gagged because he was so disruptive so, 2006, he was sentenced to 11 consecutive life sentences by Judge Armstrong, and he is not eligible for parole until June 10th, 2,403. So, he's not coming out. 2,043. 2,403. 403. Yeah. So, like... 400 years. Oh. 300 and... So, he's still alive, then? Yeah, he's... he's He's, he's alive. Oh, and then, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, he, he actually got an additional six life sentences because, <laughs> again, he was so disruptive. So that's a total of 17 life sentences because, wow. again, he was disruptive and the judge said, you know what, give you another six. So talking about his motives, he stated that he was like this angel of mercy trying to spare them from going into cardiac or respiratory arrest. He could not bear to witness or hear about attempts at saving a victim's life. That's what he's saying. He also stated that he gave the patients overdoses to end his suffering and prevent hospital, hospital workers from dehumanizing them, which is interesting language. Well, he did have that bad experience as a child with mm-hmm. the hospital. Yeah. I wonder if that plays a role. That's a really, like, resentment towards... He's resentful. Yeah, with his mom. That's a great point. Yeah, he... But oh, not all of his patients were terminal. Yeah, that's true. So that's really the case, then. You've got the wrong population there. Yeah, some of them were expected to recover. Yeah. Like, they were just there for, like, OBS, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and instead of using common painkillers and stimulants, because it's so like the with the narcotics, because of their they're like used recreationally, he chose drugs that aren't so. He was very very calculated. He chose drugs that they aren't as like monitored, like digoxin and insulin, and less likely to attract attention. So he was really smart. Like that little old lady said he was a sneaky little (laughs) (laughs) So investigators, like, came out and said that patients that actually probably did suffer, which he was apparently trying to... I don't don't think I buy that. I don't don't buy that. That's what it's saying here. But I do think that... I think that this was, like, coming back to... He's saying, oh, I don't... I can't have them be dehumanized. But... To code someone, I don't know, like, that's traumatic. Mm-hmm. Like, you're subjecting them to so much trauma with that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think he, maybe, I don't know. But I think you brought up a really good point with the resentment towards the hospital about what happened to his mom. And maybe he was trying to, 
don't know. I don't know. Interestingly, he told investigators that although he watched the patient suffer, the decision to commit each murder was very impulsive. So that also contradicts what he's saying. Like, I'm watching you suffer. And instead of, like, agonizing over the decision to put them at peace, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. He told detectives also that he lived most of his life in a fog and that he had blacked out memories of murdering most of his victims. He could not recall how many he killed or why he had chosen them. In some cases, Colin denied committing any murders at the given facility. However, after reviewing medical records, he admitted that he had been involved in those deaths. So he's all over the place. He's all over the place. But, again, very interesting case. Very unfortunate. It's just this this man, I feel like he had a lot of anger in him, too. Like, especially because he, his wife alleged or said that he put, like, he beat the dogs. And that's also something that you see. And then, interestingly, there was, like, another thing that I found where he had donated a kidney to someone. Hmm. Which is very interesting. Was it a random person? I believe it was a relative's, like, significant other. Yeah, super interesting because that kind of contradicts... Yeah, it was actually... He donated his kidney in August 2006. A female relative of a former girlfriend. Yeah. So that's also another, it's like very multifaceted in that way. And this was in 2006, so was he, he was already arrested and imprisoned at this point. Yeah, he was in jail. He was in jail and like, I thought he would be a cool case because of the Netflix. And like, he, he is like a prolific serial killer when we were alive, you know? It's a good first case. Yes. So what time is, what time is it? It is 1908. Okay, and for all you, that's military time, but we're calling it. <laughs> we're calling it. We're calling the time of death right now. 